Welcome into Oklahoma Breakdown, your Oklahoma podcast brought to you by Crimson and Cream Machine. I am Matt Ravis. Uh, my podcast partner, Jack Shields, is not here with me right now. You may ask why. Uh, we were together earlier. Unfortunately, we lost our first segment that we recorded due to uh, some technical difficulties. It's out there floating somewhere in the ether, in the digital ether somewhere. So unfortunately, we lost that. Uh, which is a shame because I, I thought it was a good segment. Got into, um, well, first just addressing, we missed a couple weeks. We had a little bit of a hiatus back in the swing of things. Um, we addressed the Mike Stoops firing. We addressed um, Ruth and McNeil maybe simplifying things, what Bob Diaco could do behind the scenes. Um, so sorry about that. Uh, we still have plenty of great content throughout the show, though, for you. Um, we talked to Jamie Plunkett of Frogs of War. That's TCU's. Uh, blog, SB Nation blog that is, uh, and and then we, uh, me and Jack book thing or bookend rather things uh, at the end and uh, give some score predictions, kind of give some uh, final vibes on this OU TCU game. Um, I, I think we both agree that it could be a little bit closer than OU fans and even TCU fans are willing to grant. So um, Jack and I get into that again. Thank you for bearing with us. Um, sorry we don't have the full fledged podcast for you. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, lost our first segment, our first 20 minutes or so, uh, due to some digital problems, due to some computer problems, but it's how it goes sometimes. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to transition right into our first interview, our our only interview of the podcast, but it's definitely a substantial one. Uh, Jimmy Plunkett of Frogs of War. That's coming up next. Thanks for listening to Oklahoma Breakdown. Welcome in, friend of the show, friend of the vlog, uh, Frogs of War. Jamie Plunkett is the managing editor. Uh, Frogsofwar.com is the TCU SB Nation community. You can follow them on Twitter at Frogs O War. No F, just O War. I guess we'll just start here, Jamie. Uh, TCU season hasn't quite lived up to expectations at this point. It's largely been a result of sloppy play, though. Is there some hope that the season can get on the right track? if that issue can be correct, corrected to some degree, uh, or are there some other issues that have held this team back in some ways? You know, I think I think there's always potential with a Gary Patterson team for progress in the middle of a season. Uh, he has an incredible coaching staff put together at TCU that is really good at developing young talent. Uh, and we've seen that on the defensive side of the ball for, for a ton of years now, uh, ever since Patterson stepped on campus. Uh, and that's happening again this season when you see some younger guys stepping up and playing pretty well. Uh, you know, thinking about Garrett Wallow at linebacker, you've got some young redshirt freshmen playing defensive tackle in place of Ross Blacklock. Uh, and so you've seen some youth there that stepped up and, and played really well. Offensively, there are, there are so many question marks at this point that it's hard to see enough progress being made for TCU uh, to make significant noise in the back half of the season. I mean, you've got Sean Robinson, who is a, a sophomore who, you know, everybody was really, really excited about at the beginning of the season. And he's come out and been banged up and thrown a lot of uh, interceptions and fumbled quite a bit and, you know, just hasn't looked great making his reads. Uh, an offensive line that's really kind of piecemealed together without their starting left guard and a bunch of new faces along the line. And so, uh, there are a lot of question marks on offense. I think progress is possible. 
I just don't know what effect that progress will have, especially this Saturday against an Oklahoma team that, yeah, they're in transition on defense, but their offense is so powerful that I'm not sure TCU's offense is going to be able to keep up. You know, speaking of TCU's offense and the quarterback position, it's being said that TCU could go to Michael Collins at some times this Saturday due to, you know, Sean Robinson's past turnover issues and also his issues with injuries. Uh, what does each QB bring to the table? Obviously, we know with Robinson, but what does uh, what does Michael Collins bring to the table? And uh, how much of Collins do you think we'll see this weekend? Well, Collins definitely isn't as mobile as Robinson. I think that that's what separated them, uh, separated Robinson from Collins in fall camp was his mobility, uh, his uh, his escapability. And, you know, you've seen the negative side of that with Robinson a little bit this season because he's kind of gotten happy feet uh, and he's stopped looking downfield at times and other times he's rushing throws and that kind of thing. With Collins, he's got an incredible arm. Uh, he is pretty mobile uh, as well and, and you know, has gotten a lot of uh, high praise from the coaching staff just for his mobility. Uh, he ran for uh, a touchdown against uh, SMU earlier in the season. He, he ran the ball relatively effectively on his one possession against Texas. Um, but realistically, you know, Patterson has been calling for a little bit more Michael Collins since the start of the season, and we haven't seen it. Uh, you know, everybody knows at this point that it's Sonny Cumbie's call as offensive coordinator as to who who walks out on the field at quarterback, and he's pretty much proven at this point uh, that it's it's Robinson all the way. So I don't really expect too much Michael Collins on Saturday unless Robinson suffers another injury or a setback, uh, because realistically at this point, if we haven't seen Collins already, it's not likely that we're going to. You know, in spite of some of the offensive issues that we've seen this year, this offense still has a considerable amount of talent, particularly at the skill positions. You know, aside from the familiar names like uh, Darius Anderson and Jalen Rager, which offensive names should Oklahoma fans know heading into Saturday? I'm sorry, you guys cut out a little bit there. Could you okay. repeat the question? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in spite of the offensive issues, uh, this offense still has quite a bit of talent, particularly at the skill positions. So aside from the familiar names like Darius Anderson and Jalen Rager, which offensive names should Oklahoma fans know heading into Saturday? You know, another f probably familiar name is Kevontae Turpin. Uh, he has had He's had a really good season. You know, he's dynamic in the return game, that kind of thing. Uh, a name to look out for is Shewo Alanalua. He's the other running back for TCU. Um, yeah, Darius Anderson is leading the team in rushes this season, but Shewo is actually leading the team in carries. Uh, and has He's rushing for, I think, about four and a half, five yards a clip. He's a bigger running back. Everybody kind of expected him to, to come in when he was a freshman at TCU and switch over to linebacker, but you know he's, he's the big 5'11", 225, 230-pound back that isn't afraid of contact. Uh, and he has made uh, a living uh, in what – what's called the wild frog where it's just he's taking a direct snap and he's running it most of the time off of the right edge and getting six or seven yards uh in a short down uh, short yards to gain situation so he's he's a big name to, to to keep an eye out for and then there's a couple of senior wide receivers too that maybe you should keep an eye on uh, jerison stewart and jalen austin they've been relatively quiet this year but I think as the season moves forward and Sean Robinson is looking for a couple more reliable options, those are two guys that might get a little bit more 
uh, targets uh, a little bit more looks from from Robinson, uh, simply because people are people know about Jalen Rager at this point. They know about Kevontae Turpin, and they're going to do their best in the secondary to shut those guys down, which is going to leave Austin and, and Stewart a little bit more wide open. So those are th- those are three na- three names to keep keep an eye on. There are a couple other young guys too, like Darius Davis is a pretty wide a pretty fast wide receiver that has gotten some play this year. Tay Barber is a true freshman that's gotten a lot of play this year. Uh, realistically, TCU is stacked at wide receiver at this point. It's all about getting them the football. And frankly, Sean Robinson just hasn't done that at this point. It's pretty frustrating. Uh, transitioning over to the defensive side of the ball, Jamie, uh, hasn't been an issue at all. In fact, the Frogs are uh, 14th in the country in defensive S&P Plus ranking heading into the weekend. Uh, has this been a result of the tried and tested Patterson formula, or are there any tweaks this year uh, that have been getting the defenses going so well? You know, it is it is just the tried and true four two five. It's what Patterson's known for. It's what he hangs his hat on, and it, it's come it's paying off again in 2018. I mean, he's got some incredibly uh, talented second guys in the secondary. Jeff Gladney at cornerback has been phenomenal this year. You've got Ennis Gaines, who uh, at safety has been incredible in coverage and against the run. He's a big hitter, number six, so keep an eye out for him. Uh, I think depth plays really well into it, too. You've got Julius Lewis on the other side at the, at the second corner position who has really stepped up his game in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Ridwan Isahaku and Markel Simmons have played really well in the secondary and uh, you know, kind of shuffling around as Nico Small has been banged up back there. And then at linebacker, you know, nobody really saw Garrett Wallow uh, coming on this quickly as a, as a, you know, just a really young kid who, frankly, if you ever hear him talk, he sounds like a real-life Bobby Boucher, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and he kind of plays like the water boy too, where he is just 110% at all times. He's incredibly high energy. Uh, so keep an eye out for 30 as well, because that's Wallow, and he, he just flies all around the field. He is incredibly fast and fun to watch. Uh, and, and along the defensive line, you've got preseason defensive All-American, or the defensive Big 12 Player of the Year, uh, Ben Banigou on the edge. You've got LJ Collier on the other edge got Corey Bestley in the middle and those guys just absolutely tear up offensive lines it's it's as as frustrating as the offense has been to watch this year for TCU it's been it's been really fun to watch the defense roll out there every time you know speaking of the defense and speaking of Ben Banigou uh, he seems to have lived up to his preseason big 12 uh, defensive player of the year billing uh, is that a fair assessment and what makes him such a special player I think it is fair I, I think if you ask him uh, that question he would say that he has not played up to to his own expectations for himself this season he's been a little disappointed I think in some of his performances especially early on when I think he was trying to do a little too much uh, but you're right he is he has played incredibly well this year and I think part of the reason is that uh, he's got another really good edge rusher on the other side in LJ Collier which he had last year in Matt Bozen as well because Bozen actually led TC in tackles for loss and sacks a season ago and LJ Collier is starting to rack up those numbers again this season as well because it affords Banigou the opportunity to really go one-on-one because the offensive line can't focus too much on any single guy Corey Bethley is commanding some double teams in the middle from the three-tech position and so you know Banigou's really kind of go-to move though is just coming off the edge and just bull rushing a guy or trying to swim move around to the outside because he is incredibly quick he stays really low to the ground and um, he's just too fast for most left tackles in this league, and he's showing that week after week after week. 
Now, Jamie, there are plenty of Oklahoma alumni in the DFW area, and plenty of them will probably be at the game on uh, Saturday, but for the fans who are traveling from Oklahoma or elsewhere who maybe aren't quite as familiar with TCU's fan base, what are some things that OU fans should know about TCU, the fan base, or game day in general before making the trip? I think it's probably going to be a little more tempered fan base this year this time around just because of the way that the first uh, six weeks have gone you know sitting at three and three uh, watching this offense struggle as much as it has it's really kind of killed a lot of the a lot of the energy around the team unfortunately Uh, and realistically TCU's fan base is pretty small too so that affects turnout and it's more visible I think than it is at a school like OU or Texas Uh, but I still think it's going to be a fun game day atmosphere you know TCU really really wants to see itself as one of the top tier teams in the big 12 and to do that at some point you have to start beating oklahoma and so there is i think this kind of perception now that if tcu can just start winning against oklahoma every once in a while you know they're one in six right now if they can improve that record uh, over the next several years uh then realistically maybe that'll help with the national perception of the program and and the TCU brand overall. So I think that that fans are still going to be excited for Oklahoma to come to town. Uh, you know, we, we do like to pride ourselves on being a friendly fan base. So if you're a sooner and you see a tailgate, just kind of walk up and introduce yourself and say, Hey, you're probably going to get it off, get offered a beer, a, a, you know, a hot dog or a burger or whatever, or I guess breakfast tacos since it's 11 AM and, and just, you know, we're going to be friendly. Uh, and I think this year we're, we're a little more humble than we normally are just because of the way things have turned out in the first six weeks. So I'm expecting a, a good, fun atmosphere, maybe a little bit more tempered than it would have been in seasons past, but, but fun nonetheless. Uh, what, what's the key to the TCU upset, Jamie? Uh, I think the defense has to really, really come out strong, uh, force Kyler Murray into some mistakes, which he hasn't really been prone to do yet this season. Um, and, and there, there has to be a defensive touchdown, and there probably a special teams touchdown. And the offense has to show up like they did in the first half of the Ohio State game, where they were really gashing Ohio State with the run and doing the up-tempo, quick passes into the flat and allowing their speed wide receivers to get into space. Uh, if they do that consistently, I think it'll be a competitive game. As far as, as actually pulling off the upset, though, it's going to take a defensive touchdown or, or a special teams touchdown to get that done. Speaking of which, how do you see this one shaking out, and do you think TCU can beat the spread in this one? I, I'm not sure what the spread is at this it's point. It's eight what right is now. Eight? Ooh, that's uh, that's going to be tough, I think. You know, I realistically, I think the defense is good enough to hang. It's fast enough. Uh, you know, it showed that uh, before it got worn down against Ohio State. Uh, it, it, the, the corners are quick. The linebackers are fast. The defensive line is really strong. I think the defense keeps TCU in this game for a while. Uh, but ultimately, if your offense isn't consistently driving the ball and, and sustaining drives and burning time off the clock and getting points as a result, the defense is going to get worn down. And we've seen that in the second half of games pretty much consistently all season. Uh, and so it might be a close game at halftime, might be you know, a couple field goals lead for Oklahoma, maybe a touchdown lead. And then I think, unfortunately for TCU, it's, it's kind of maybe going to get out of hand, especially in the third late in the third early fourth quarters just because eventually if guys are on the field for 75 80 85 snaps they're going to get tired and and tcu's yeah no stranger to that this season 
Uh, Jamie, I've got one more for you before we get into the rapid fire questions here. Um, yeah, yeah. A, as you can imagine, up here, um, the loss to Texas and the ensuing firing of Mike Stoops was. Um, Oh, how would you describe that, Jack? It was a meltdown on social media. It, it was dramatic. I it mean, was yeah. very dramatic. It, it was a thing. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it, and that's how it goes, you know, inside of fan bases. So I'm curious to know, outside of the Oklahoma bubble, uh, what did it look like uh, from the heart of Texas? Well, it was unfortunate, I think, from our perspective, to see Texas win that game after beating TCU, after beating USC, uh, and really, finally, I think having some momentum, some legit momentum for the first time in, in you know, close to a decade at this point. Uh, because from the from our perspective as, as TCU fans, you know, we we've had all, uh, ever so slightest of edges in recruiting over most schools in the state uh, for the last several years, and and Texas has still out recruited TCU. So uh, to see the frogs win that game, or to see the the horns win that game and, and to really start to gain some more momentum on the recruiting trail, which, which TCU has witnessed in the last week or so, uh, was disappointing. Uh, I'm of the opinion, frankly, that the Big 12 is just significantly down this year, and that's kind of Texas is taking advantage of that as still a really sub, you know, kind of average offense and above average defense. Um, I, don't, I don't know that this is a sustainable thing with Ellinger. Uh, but realistically, you know, Oklahoma, even even with that loss, is still the team to beat in the conference. I don't think that per- perception has changed at all. Uh, I I don't really think that much of Tom Herman. I, I like my, uh, Todd Orlando and what he's done defensively down there, but I just think it's a down year for the Big 12, and Texas is taking advantage of it, frankly. Yeah, I, I that's a pretty fair assessment I would say I, I have no nothing but respect for Todd Orlando and what he's done there but yeah Herman is just kind of a hardo and kind of rubs me the wrong way not a big fan oh, yeah, of him yeah. at all I think that's you know, going to blow it, up it, in it, his it, face <laughs> I think so too and, and you know frankly I think the best thing that could have happened to OU is losing that game and having an excuse to fire Mike Stoops <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of people who have looked at it that way I mean losing to Texas is not something that we obviously want that obviously sucks but you know, there are certain people who definitely did see the silver lining there. And, you know, I think he probably was going to go after this year, but I think this sort of expedited things. And, you know, maybe Ruff and McNeil, maybe simplifying things, maybe that'll help Oklahoma this year down the stretch. I'm not sure if it'll have a huge impact, but, you know, we'll see. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, the good news is that Ruffin's had two weeks now to kind of simplify things and get ready for an offense that hasn't shown much. Uh, the last couple of weeks so this is a real I mean if you're going to transition now's now's not a bad time yeah absolutely yeah th- that bye week really could not have come at a better time yeah. from a transition yeah. <laughs> and morale standpoint I mean it, it it needed to happen bye weeks are annoying but in this case very necessary but Jamie are you ready for the rapid fire bring it what's where do you find the best Mexican food in Fort Worth uh, people will say that the touristy spot is Joe T's because their margaritas are the most potent thing on the planet. Um, but I'm going to say the best Mexican food in, gosh, God, geez, there's so many. Um, uh, there's a, there's a place up in the stockyards. I think it's called Abuelitas. I've been there a couple of times and that place is absolutely phenomenal. Enchiladas there to die for. It's named after a grandma. It's got to be good, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. And now, what's the best barbecue in Fort Worth, Jamie? Heim, no doubt. Heim Barbecue on Magnolia 
in the Fremont district get or yeah Fairmont district get down there uh, get the bacon burn ends and do it as quickly as you possibly can see now I have a choice I, I'm, I'm I'm conflicted now now I'm gonna ask you another one where okay, do I okay. find the best steak in Fort Worth oh man I think a lot of folks are going to point you to Del Frisco's. I've been. It's uh, good. <laughs> uh, it's it's decent. My Not the one in Fort steak. Worth, but no. My favorite steak of all time is Bob's Steak and Chop House. Uh, the original one is in Dallas, but they do have a location in Fort Worth. It's downtown. It's in the Omni. Uh, that that's man. You can't you can't get much better than that, in my opinion. Now, what's the best sports bar in Fort Worth? I've got a one-track mind. <laughs> it's, it's not really much of a sports bar town, honestly. Uh, you know, I would say if you want to go watch a game and have a beer, your best shot is probably either Buffalo Bros, which is right next to campus. Dutch's is another good spot now that they're, they've got a little locker room kind of space opened up that's got a full bar. It serves liquor and everything. It's open late at night, every night. Uh, that's actually where we do our Frogs of War podcast uh, once a month, and so – you know, gotta get gotta get the plug in, I suppose. Um, and then there are a couple places off of Seventh, uh, like Boomer Jackson, that kind of place that are more your chain style sports bar places. But realistically, it's not much of a sports bar town. Now, what is going to be, as far as bars are concerned, what's the booty shaking uh, destination? <laughs> Sorry, I missed that again. <laughs> I was, I was saying, you know, in Fort Worth, uh, as far as bars are concerned, where is the booty shaking destination? Okay, well, see, now, I, you're, you're talking to the wrong guy. Okay, I, gotcha. I am, I am a minister. I did not know that. I would not yeah. have asked that otherwise. Yeah, so I, I I am not the one to ask. Maybe Melissa can help you out there, but it's it's not. It's definitely not. Me. I'll have to ask her on the podcast later tonight. Yeah, we yeah we'll cover that when you when you come on to our show. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Uh, now let's uh, let's uh, switch the topic here. Uh, who is your favorite TCU alum outside of athletics? And now I have to remind you that one person who is eligible happens to be a fictitious character from The Simpsons who happens to be okay. a TCU alum. Yeah, well, he's not it. It's Bob Schieffer for sure. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, as a as a graduate of this of the school college of communications the Schieffer school of communications and just hearing you know him coming back almost every year and speaking to uh the students in that college and just seeing his commitment to his craft for decades on decades on decades uh and still you know showing love to his university and 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 wearing purple and and just committed to the athletics programs and the whole university and on the student body uh you know if if i if i could be him 60 years from now, uh, that would be pretty fantastic. Well, Jamie, um, appreciate your time tonight. Uh, then we were talking to Jamie Plunkett, managing editor of Frogs O'War, uh, frogsawar.com. That is the TCU SB Nation community. You can also follow them on Twitter, at Frogs O'War, uh, where you can see Jamie doing the One Chip Challenge. Appreciate your time, and uh, uh, yeah, great talking to you, Jamie. Welcome back. We are wrapping up the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've been doing this for a little bit now. 
feel like we're finally hitting our stride. Did have a little hiatus, but we're back. Don't worry about it. Um, and we'll be here um, weekly throughout the duration of the football season. Matt, like I said, Matt Ravis, Jack Shields. Big thank you to Jamie Plunkett from Frogs of War podcast. I don't. I didn't get the sense, Jack, that Jamie uh, was very confident that TCU could pull off an upset. Um, but I, you, you were just talking to me. You think that there is a chance that it, it could be closer. You didn't say that, that OU would get upset. No, I don't. I, I think OU will. But you said there's a win, chance it could be I mean, closer I, than TCU fans, yeah, th- and maybe OU fans are willing to grant. I mean, TCU fans are obviously very down on their offense at this point but I mean that team still has a lot of weapons at the skill positions and I think they're definitely good enough to make Oklahoma pay for its deficiencies on defense and I I think that I could see maybe like a I don't know a 42-31 contest or something like that I think OU like would narrowly beat the spread but the spread's eight yeah it's eight right now yeah so I I mean I think TCU could definitely put up 28, 31 points. I mean, despite, you know, their turnover issues, you know, Sean Robinson dealing with the turnovers plus the injuries, not having a great offensive line, but their backs and receivers are fantastic. I mean, they're guys who are, who again can make this team pay for not tackling well and wrapping up. I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a number of big plays from TCU's I, offense in this one. I, I'm much more confident in their offense in this matchup than TCU fans are. I think. I think at one and point, people who cover TCU. I think at one point in the Dark Knight, uh, the Joker is talking about the immovable force versus unstoppable object. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, whatever the opposite of that saying is, is kind of what's going on here between OU and TCU. Like you said, it, well, with the turnovers, lots of sure, turnovers yeah, like, for TCU, and then OU. Um, not a team that forces a lot of turnovers. Like I said, whatever the opposite of, of what that is. Something's got to give, though. Exactly. I mean, you know, it, TCU's turned it over 15 times this year. That's near the bottom of the barrel in the country. OU has forced only five this year, which is also near the bottom of the barrel. I mean, I think if TCU isn't able to turn over this team, that's an issue. I mean, you know, because I, I think OU will need to force at least a a few turnovers for this to not be in doubt late, but if OU is able to do to TCU what other teams have done to TCU, it could get out of hand really quickly. But is this a game you could see Buki making that big? I think I think play? this this could be the one. Yeah, and I I've been looking forward to that day. It's been since, kind of a disappointing. Been season looking for forward him. to that day since he put on the hat at the Army All American game because that's the, those are the kinds of plays he was making in that game. So. I'm yeah. I think maybe something like that can happen this game. One can only hope. I mean, that's that's what I'm looking for in this one. I I, I mean, you think we're gonna see some uh, some personnel shuffling? I think all positions probably open for um, open for competition. I I mean that's that's what you know that's what's been said. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to uh, you know maybe see a lot more of Trey Brown. He's been the best corner this season. He needs to be on the field just about every play. Yeah, he's definitely the. Best all-around corner. And I'd like to see more of Robert Barnes and less of Khalil Houghton. And I'd like to see more of Ronnie Perkins. So, I mean, basically what... That's been the consensus, those three guys. So, as far as uh, this discussion's concerned, all around, so... Yeah, but be interesting Yeah, to I see. think those are the three to watch for to get more snaps than they usually get. Interesting to see if this is your cliche, typical, um, your coach is fired, so you go and ball out game. Or if OU just comes out and falls flat on their face. It'll be very interesting to well, see what happens. OU hasn't lost back-to-back uh, 
back-to-back games in the regular season since uh, it was Notre Dame and Texas in 99, Bob Stoops' first year. OU always plays really well after a uh, loss. I think that's that's natural, too. I mean, you're sort of reevaluating things. And you've had the bye week to uh, sort of uh, reassess what you are. So I think that's definitely going to be beneficial. I, I think OU will... Definitely come out motivated. I, I do think TCU, like I said, will make some plays on offense and maybe keep this from being a blowout. But, yeah, I, I that's definitely something to look for. Uh, Jack, there's nothing like a healthy rivalry to help put things in perspective for you sometimes. Um, I think o, OU fans were caught up in the woe is me after losing to Texas. I get it. That sucks. Um, still blue blood. It's horrible. Yeah, I, I, there's there are a few things worse bad. than losing to Texas. No, it, so it, it does it, not it, feel good. It is bad, but um, you look north to Stillwater, and all of a sudden everything starts to feel a little bit better because Jack, that is an absolute dumpster fire. Um, I think Mike Gundy. I agree. It does with, make me feel better. I agree with lie. the. I mean, look, it's it. You shouldn't be comparing your life with somebody else, but. Uh, you look at somebody and, else you know, and we're, see how we're bad usually they have not it the program that better. sort of measures ourselves against Oklahoma State. It's usually the other way around. But at the same time, it, it's nice to see the shit being flung back in Mike Gundy's direction at this and point. I agree with all the criticism. I watched uh, the game last week, especially down the stretch, and paid extra close attention to Mike Gundy's body language, um, kind of how he led his team and. You don't get the full picture by watching it on TV, but I saw a complacent Mike Gundy. I saw one who didn't really care. Uh, His press conference demeanor, and really his press conference demeanor at all times, shows me that he doesn't care. Um, He would much rather be out hunting rattlesnakes or uh, tending to his goats or whatever it is that Mike Gundy does. That's kind of what I see happening in Stillwater right now, and uh, that might be all well and good if Mike Gundy wasn't paid like a top-tier coach. In yeah, college football. Right? He's making five million dollars. That's top ten, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's up near there. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's had uh that university by the balls for a while now, and as he should. I mean, he's, you know, Oklahoma. He's definitely overachieving as Oklahoma State's coach. I mean, they, they never, they've never to, sustained yeah. success like this. Over he's brought them this to the platform that they yeah. have enjoyed recently. Uh, he has definitely helped make that. A brand, the OK State brand, you know what I mean? To All a degree, flashy yeah. uniforms. Um, people actually know about OK State across the country now because of Mike Gundy. Uh, they're not just some school that Barry Sanders chose to go to. So it's, um, I don't know, It's it it does make you feel better as an OU fan at the same time. The Big 12 is just so down this year, and that's not a good look for anybody. Yeah, I mean, at least the Pac-12 is worse, though. Yeah, you can hang your hat on that at the end of the day. And, and SEC isn't all that, all that it's cracked up to be, I don't think, either. Um, apart from the obvious, still the best. They're still the best. Still for the sure. best. Yeah, top to bottom, um, they have. They're definitely top heavy. I'll put it that way. So um, I think that's gonna do it. I think uh, unless we got anything else. What's that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can just cut this out. What is it? Oh, oh no, uh, yeah, the the weekend stuff. Yeah. We're oh yeah. No, sorry. Stuff, I'm yeah. horrible at reading lips. Yeah. Uh, or one last thing before we get out of here. Um, talk about our weekends. Uh, I I guess I'll go first. I um, it sounds so boring every time I say this. I worked all day on Saturday, and then I uh, enjoyed Sunday off. So I watched football from noon to whenever the Sunday night game ended, around 9, 30, 10, whatever it was. So it was great. Yeah, what's your plan for this weekend? Same plan, thing? Plan for this weekend? Um, 
Got Thunder coverage Friday night, I guess. Thunder, thunder coverage. Um, I'm not doing a post game, so I'll get to watch that from the comforts of my couch. Um, and then uh, love the rooster kickoffs because it means I actually get some, somewhat of a Saturday. I get that a is Saturday, good for I get a Saturday games. night at least, so uh, I'll be done uh, at a reasonable time and then uh, back at it again on Sunday. Yeah, I see, I was happy about the rooster kickoff, but two days ago I found out that I was going to the game in Fort Worth, so now I'm not happy about the rooster kickoff. I was, uh, now I'm kind of wishing that I could have a bit more time to tailgate. But Jamie did mention uh, that breakfast tacos are a big deal in Fort Worth, so I do have that to look forward to before the game. Maybe some Bloody Marys, maybe some Bloody Marias with the tequila. There you go. We'll see. But yeah, I'm kind of I'm definitely looking forward to that. I've never been to a game at TCU. So, that'll be kind of cool and only been to Fort Worth once, I think. I think that was it was 2009. I stayed there some friends and I stayed there the night before the OU BYU game in 2009, oh, yeah. the first ever football game at Jerry World and uh I lost my phone the night before if that tells you <laughs> anything about that weekend, but hopefully we don't lose the phone again. This weekend, and hopefully OU doesn't lose a game again this weekend. So, there you go. There you go. So, uh, score prediction? Uh, I'm going 42-28, Oklahoma. That's uh, that's a lot of points against that TCU defense. Yeah. OU can score against anyone, though, so. I think I'm going to go, I, I do think it's going to be high scoring. I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'll say 35-17. Um, to 17. And this is the week where OU finally gets a couple turnovers. Okay. Uh, actually, I'm not even going to stop there. How about this? Pick six. Pick six Happen. from who? Buki? Uh, I'm not going to say Buki for sure, but somebody's doing it. Somebody's doing it. I'd like it. to see Trey Brown show off the speed with the ball in his hands on defense. Maybe, you know, a real clean pick going the other way with a head of steam. He's, I mean, he's one of the fastest guys on the team, so. For sure. That would be fun to watch. That would be exciting. So uh, both agree. I, I think we, yeah, we both easily beat the spread too in our our predictions. The spread's only eight points. So, yeah, uh, we we had, we had OU winning by several touchdowns. So again, look for that at eleven o'clock on Saturday. Look for another episode of Oklahoma Breakdown next week, uh, breaking down the TCU uh, game, hopeful victory, and do you know offhand the opponent afterwards? Kansas I'm completely State. blanking on Homecoming. Kansas State. That's Homecoming. right. Homecoming. Two thirty game too, which is kind of okay. wow. That's that's ex- extremely late. I don't know if OU fans are going to be able yeah, to stay. That, for that that's one. a little past our bedtime. Yeah. So. so there we go. Uh, so like I said, we'll be back next week with another episode breaking down the TCU game, previewing the Kansas State game. Uh, for Jack Shields, I'm Matt Ravis. Thank you so much for listening to Oklahoma Breakdown.